As you hear sounds coming up in your head, thoughts, you simply listen to them as part of the general noise going on, just as you would be listening to the sound of my voice, or just as you would be listening to cars going by, or to birds chattering outside the window. So look at your own thoughts as just noises. Here with Brian Dawson. Brian, thank you for coming on the podcast. No, yeah, thanks for having me. This is this is exciting. Part two. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, we recorded one that never came out. It's still in the dark. It was after last season, and then I went on a long break, and I decided instead of releasing that because you were already in your next season, we just wait until this season finished. And I'm glad that that we did that. So we'll go over some similar ground, and then I want to get to where we're at now. A little bit of context for the listeners. So this is two days after the RMAC championship. So if you're a fan of Regis basketball and you know Brian, then you may have watched or followed the season. Very intense game, an awesome game. Regis came up short in the end, but um, just an amazing run, super fun to watch. And so we're going to get to that in the end of the season and how you feel about this game specifically. But I want to start by going through some of your background and how we got to this point. Um, so first, where did you uh, where did you grow up? Uh, so born and raised in uh, Los Angeles, California. Um, and yeah, I mean, I've been playing basketball ever since I honestly can remember um, since I was like in diapers. Um, played a lot of AAU growing up. Um, was never really like the best on my team. I played on some pretty good AU teams growing up, um, but always had a love for the game. Went to a small high school um, in El Segundo, California, Vistamar High School, um, and didn't really have too many looks as far as college offers and college recognition, stuff like that coming out of high school. Um, I didn't sign with Regis until very late into my senior year. Um, it was about like late April. Um, so, you know, just a little bit, a little bit before my, my, my high school graduation, um, Brady and, and um, Coach uh, Kaufman at the time, uh, they've been following me kind of throughout the year a little bit. And then um, kind of towards the end of my senior year, uh, kind of got to watch me play live for the first time and, you know, pulled the trigger on it, offered me a full ride scholarship. And at that point, the rest was history. You know, I, I couldn't say no. It was really the only offer that I had on the table. And um, I'm here now, five years later. <laughs> okay. Wow. So that's, uh, did you play any other sports growing up? Yeah, no, I, I played, I played a little bit of football, um, a little bit of flag football. I never, never played tackle. Um, you know, all the wasn't your, wasn't your, was your brother a football player? Yeah, he was. He played uh, UCLA uh, a few years back. Uh, he played um, cornerback at UCLA, had a pretty good career there. Um, but yeah, I only played really basketball growing up. Um, basketball, I don't know, for some reason was was the only sport that I kind of just gravitated to naturally. Um, I mean, Kobe was the, like a god in Los Angeles. So I mean, it was kind of like you just wanted to be like Kobe. Um, so, yeah. Nice, nice. So it's interesting that you didn't have any looks out of high school. Your brother's older, right? Yeah. He's so did, you, did you feel any pressure to go D1 or get a scholarship? Or like, like, what was it like being the younger brother of someone who played football at UCLA, trying to carve out your own path? Yeah, you know, to be honest, um, I felt tons of pressure. Like, right. <laughs> Growing up, um, yeah, like growing up, my brother, uh, he like 
couldn't miss as far as athletics go. You know, he was this two sport, you know, both football and basketball, just he was a beast pretty much in everything that he did. Um, and I got to watch that, you know, as a kid kind of growing up and, you know, just being in his his shadows, it bugged me a little bit. Um, and I definitely did feel the pressure, especially when he went on to play at, at UCLA. Um, you know, it's kind of like people were telling me, you know, you're next in line, like, you know, where are you going to go? And, you know, it's kind of like they were looking at, at at me through him, you know what I mean? And mm -hmm. so it, it was, it was kind of tough, but I mean, it was definitely a lot of pressure um, for sure. Mm. What about your parents? Were they athletes? Uh, yeah, my dad, he played a little bit of football uh, when he was in high school. My dad's from uh, Texarkana, Texas. Uh, it's a small twin city right on the border between Texas and Arkansas. Um, and he moved to Los Angeles uh, when he was um, a teenager. Um, so he played a little bit of high school football. Um, but that was really about it. My mom, she wasn't really an athlete. She wasn't really into that kind of stuff. But, um, but yeah. Okay. And so how was your, your senior year of high school? You knew you wanted to play in college, right? Mm -hmm. What was it like not getting any offers, the recruiting process? And was you, your only scholarship from Regis in the end? Yeah, you know, that, wow. that was tough. Yeah, that was really tough. Um, I mean, basically... I knew I wanted to play uh, basketball, you know, in college, you know, at the next level, you know, when I was in high school, um, whether it be division one, two or three, I knew I wanted to play um, somewhere. Um, and it was frustrating, you know, not getting the attention or not getting the looks from very many college coaches uh, throughout that period. Um, and so it kind of ended up being, I just, you know, kept working um, and, you know, trusted the process. I played on several different AAU teams when I was in high school, um, kind of bounced around a little bit on the AAU circuit um, just to kind of find a place that would give me the best opportunity um, to get, you know, college looks and get attention from college coaches. Um, and yeah, basically at the end of my senior year, um, I got like a half scholarship from uh, San Francisco State, um, another division two, um, but it was really kind of a small scholarship and they had, all, they had already had a loaded team at the time. Um, so I knew if I went there, I probably wouldn't get very much playing time until maybe, you know, my third or fourth year there. Um, and then, yeah, like I said earlier, uh, Brady kind of came on the scene uh, later in my freshman, uh, later in my senior year as well. Um, and got to, got to, got to watch me play live, got to watch me um, do a workout live. Um, and then, you know, I got on a visit here uh, in Denver to Regis and then, you know, he offered me a full ride scholarship and, I mean, at that point, my family, it was kind of a quick decision for me and my family. It was a full ride. It was, you know, kind of the only thing that was left on the table. So, you know, we just went nice. ahead and took it. Nice. And what was your, I'll let you speak first, and then I want to reflect on my impression of you when you first showed up to Regis. Because, so I was, uh, that was my second year as a GA, or, well, yeah, as a coach, as my first year as a real GA. And um, at that point, so I played for Regis Brady's first season, my senior year, we were competitive, kind of like building culture that year, lost a lot of close games, ended up winning only like nine games. Then the next season, I was like a work study assistant on the coaching side, won 20 games, good year, um, but didn't quite put it together, lost in the first round of the RMAC tournament to Metro. Um, and then the following year was your freshman year. That was 2017, 18 season. And you showed up and that was the most talent on a Regis team that I think I can remember. 
um, sure. yeah, by far. So, uh, what was, what was your experience like showing up on campus? How did you feel about trying to carve out your role? Were you nervous? Were you confident? Some of both, what was it like showing up on campus the first time? Uh, well, I was, I was pretty excited. Um, you know, like you said, um, we had a loaded roster coming in. We had brought in, um, I think in that class, we also had Ty McGee, um, who had transferred from CCU. We had had Avante Nelms, who was a JUCO transfer, um, myself, Michael Benz, Thomas. And then on top of that, you know, you have Jared, you know, Broadbeck was an all-armat guy, you know, Christian Little coming off of freshman, freshman of the year uh, award. And, you know, obviously Dexter, another all-armat all guy, and Ryan Beastie. So, I mean, the talent was there um, for yeah. sure. Um, so I was... I was really excited, obviously, just because, you know, Regis was the only opportunity that I had coming out of high school. So I was just really determined to kind of make the most of it. Um, I think it really helped uh, that team um, a lot as well, because we had the opportunity to go on a foreign tour um, and play in Canada, uh, playing some exhibitions uh, during the summer. Um, so we all got well acquainted and had, had the opportunity to gel and, and put together some really good chemistry um, long before the season even really started and before games um, you know, really started. So that was, that was a lot of fun for us. And I think playing in those games early on, like I literally maybe just graduated high school. And then like two months later, I was playing in, you know, exhibition games against real college competition. And so I think that helped me a lot um, and prepared me a lot yeah. for my freshman year. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, I was just, I was really just ready to go uh, kind of looking back on that time. I was really excited to be a part of the group. Yeah. And um Reflecting on my impression of you, I remember having like, I would be in the coaches meetings, we'd be evaluating players and talking about the team and how it was going to fit together. And my impression of you showing up to campus was, and I remember talking to Kaufman about this specifically, Coach Kaufman was, um, you were very mature and grounded for a freshman. You had a demeanor about you that was uh, definitely noticeable that you, you know, you've kept that up, but like you, um were composed, never got too high, never got too low and seemed to be kind of a lot of freshmen come in and I, myself included trying either overcompensating, trying to do too much, prove yourself or very timid, very like deferring to others too much. I just remember you made an impression of being like secure, confident. And I don't know how much of that, you know, was just on the surface or what, like how you felt internally. But I remember that being the impression. Um, so that season you won the champ, you know, first RMAC championship, uh, school history and a great season, won a tournament game, lost in the NCAA tournament in the second round, four overtimes. Um, I'm curious, like given what happened in your career and the, the kind of heights that you ascended to, which we'll get to, um, did you like, I'm just curious, like what your expectation was throughout that season. Did you expect like someday I'm going to be the guy with the ball in my hands, I'm going to be the guy who's leading the team because you were a really good role player that year. Like you, you found your role off the bench, contributed, played really good defense. You know, I even remember back then that you weren't afraid to take a big shot, even though you weren't one of the top scoring options, you would go take a big shot, take and make big shots. Just curious what your attitude was like at that point and how you reflect on that season, given what happened since. Uh, yeah. I mean, like looking back um, at that time and on that season, um, I was really just kind of going with the flow, um, you know, learning on the fly. Um, obviously, being at a new level, guys were bigger, faster, stronger. So I was trying to get adjusted as quick as possible. Um, 
And yeah, I mean, I, I always had confidence in myself. Honestly, you know, once I got to Regis and, you know, a couple games into my freshman year, I really did, I truly did believe that, you know, by the time I was a junior or a senior, that I was going to be one of the top guys in the Army. I truly believed that. Um, you know, I knew that we had a super talented team my freshman year and that, you know, the ball wasn't going to be in my hands as much just because, you know, we had so much talent and, you know, it, it, it wasn't my time um, yet. So I understood that um, and, and I was fine with that. But, you know, I wanted to maximize everything I could and, and be on the floor as much as I could. And so, like you said, defense was really kind of the only avenue for me to really be on the floor um, for extended periods, you know, as a freshman. Um, and so that was just kind of the biggest thing for me was like, you know, focus on being a role guy, focus on being a defensive guy and all that stuff. You know, all that stuff as far as, you know, the glory or, you know, getting the ball or being, you know, one of the the the, the more potent offensive threats, all that stuff is going to come later, um, you know, if I just continue yeah. to work and, and, and continue to stay humble and, and, and keep my head down and just, you know, continue to just be me. Um, so I, I had that mindset from, from day one. Yeah, for sure. By the way, I just realized as you were talking that when we went through our summary of the team, we forgot about Birdo, which is not fair. Oh man, yeah, yeah. Oh my God. I hope I hope when Birdo see this, I hope he it's all love, Birdo. It's all love. It's all love. <laughs> yeah, and he's the man, was another great role player that year. Did an amazing job. Um so anyway, yeah. So come off Armac Championship, um, and you know, a tournament win, amazing season going to your sophomore year. Um, Broadbeck was back. Dexter, Ty had graduated. Berto had graduated. Um, and so it was Christian and Dexter then became like, or sorry, Christian and Jarrett became like the guys sophomore year. Um, I forgot how that season turned out. You guys had a pretty good year, right? Um, Beastie was also really good that year. Beastie had an amazing yeah. senior year there. Yeah. How was that? How did that season play out? Uh, yeah, we had a pretty good year. Um, obviously we had, you know, won the RMAC championship the year before, um, you know, had a, a little bit of NCAA tournament run. So we kind of became the hunted and not the hunters. So, you know, a lot of teams in RMAC were, were definitely out to get us, uh, but we managed to get all the way to the conference, uh, semis, um, in the tournament lost to a really good New Mexico Highlands team. Um, and that was, that was, oh, that yeah, was, they had those really good guards, right? You're playing at yeah, Mines. Okay. Yeah, I remember that uh, game. Yeah, yeah, that was the end. I mean, we just we just ran into a really good opponent. Um, yeah. That's all it was. That team, that that team, my my sophomore year, we still we definitely had enough talent to to win the RMAC, um, but we just came up a little bit short. Yeah, and then trying to remember then. So the next year was that the year that you made a big jump, personally, or not quite? You played five years at Regis, right? Yeah, yeah. I, from my sophomore year to my junior year. It was a little bit of a jump. I think I, I started every game my junior year. Um, Christian was still there that year, right? Yeah, that was Christian's okay. final year. Yeah. Okay. okay. And how did that year end up? Uh, yeah, we ended up losing in the first round of the conference tournament to Dixie State. Um, okay. They were just kind of like an RMAC powerhouse. Um, and, I mean, we kind of had a little bit of an up and down year just as far as, like, seating. We were kind of bouncing around from, like, you know – the bottom seven, eight seed to, you know, out of the playoffs sometimes. And then, you know, so we kind of had to fight and scrap our way, you know, even into the tournament um, and then got bounced out first round, unfortunately. Yeah. Okay. And then the next year, 
Um, I want to pause there because then you're going into what was going to be your senior season, but the pandemic hits um, that off season, right? And so you're totally uncertain. I want to start with something that we talked about um, in the last dark podcast where you developed a, uh, a routine around COVID and like trying to prepare mentally for that season, right? So maybe just talk a little bit about like the uncertainty. This is your final, you know, what might've been your final basketball season. They ended up extending it so that you'd have another year of eligibility, right? But um, what was your attitude like going into what was going to be your senior season with COVID surrounding it? Uh, yeah, so that summer, that was what, summer of 2020, um, the pandemic had just broke. A lot of things were on pause. There was tons of uncertainty in the air as far as sports and, you know, just the world in general. Um, and so, I mean, for me, um, I spent a lot of time back home in Los Angeles with my mom and my dad and my brother because um, there's really nowhere else to go. Um, but kind of with the, se the season still kind of looming and, you know, with uncertainty around it, um, I still wanted to be ready to go uh, regardless. I mean, I'm, you know what I mean? I didn't know if, you know, games were going to be canceled, the season was going to be canceled, or if we were going to be able to play, you know, fans, no fans, you know, whatever you want to call it. I didn't know if any of that stuff was going to happen. But if it did, I wanted to make sure that I was as ready to go as possible for my last year of college basketball, at least at the time. That's what I thought. Um, so I just spent a lot of time uh, really in the weight room because I couldn't get uh, into any 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 gyms. I couldn't really play, um, you know, against anybody um, just because, you know, COVID had hit so seriously. Um, and so, yeah, I got my diet right. Um, I was eating and I was probably in probably the best shape I've ever been like in my life. I was lifting every single day. Um, so I got into this really good routine where I was just kind of at home uh, with my family. Um, working on my body, working on my mind, just taking a lot of time, um, you know, away from the game, but also preparing myself, um, you know, for when the season came. Yeah. And you read some, some books that summer, right? Did you read, you read the inner game of tennis that summer? Yeah. Yeah. I picked the, I picked up the inner game of tennis through your recommendation. Um, I, I was the first time, I mean, like, I was honestly the first time, you know, I think for a lot of us where we were just, you know, sitting inside the crib, chilling, doing nothing. Um, and so reading was one of the things I picked up heavy. Um, and then from reading, that's when I kind of picked up a little bit of uh, a meditation practices as well. But I remember vividly throughout that summer, summer of 2020, um, staying at home a lot. I, I read a lot of good books. Inner Game of Tennis was one of them. Um, certainly probably, I think if I hadn't read that book, you know, I don't know maybe what type of player I would be right now because I know heading into that season, that book did a lot of good things for me. Um, just as far as how I approach, you know, my training, how I approach the game, um, just how I really I approach life in day to day because there was just so much uncertainty at the time. Um, you know, it was easy, you know, for 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 myself included and for other people, I'm sure, just to, you know, be inside your own head about a lot of things and, you know, the anxiety and the fear about, you know, the future to sort of build up. Um, so that was definitely all that stuff was definitely weighing on me. Um, but through reading and, you know, through meditation as well, I was kind of able to break a lot of that stuff um, and kind of yeah. just, I guess, overcome it. You know what I mean? Nice. Nice. And yet yeah, maybe talk a little bit about your meditation habit, either in preparation for that season or through into now or what, like how it looks like and what it's done for you on the court. Yeah. I mean, so I think, um, 
I kind of got into it a little bit um, just on a very, very surface level um, that summer of 2020. But then when I came to Regis um, or when I returned to school uh, my senior year, I ended up taking a meditation class um, at Regis. Um, it's kind of like an elective course. I had um, some some open space in my schedule. Um, Remember who the teacher was? Ah man, I I, I can I I know exactly who it, who it was. I just can't remember the name. Um, the woman? No, it, it was a guy. Tom. Um, Tom, Tom. Tom something. I forgot his last name, but um, anyway, that doesn't it doesn't matter. We'll keep going. <laughs> yeah, yeah, maybe I'm not, I'm not sure um, on that one, but. No, yeah, that was like my first time um, really being in like a setting where like I didn't necessarily like have to meditate, but like I was just I was learning it in a new way. It was being presented to me in a new way um, and it kind of just sparked my curiosity a little bit. Um, so that's kind of how I really was 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 officially uh, introduced to it um, was throughout that course. Um, and then throughout that course, I was able to learn more about practices and learn more about what it is to be mindful. Um, and then after that course, you know, I went in kind of just, I developed a, a routine, uh, you know, during that time. And then after the course, I went, I kind of kept that going into the season as, as games uh, picked up and we started to play, um, you know, during, during last year. Um, and it was, I noticed that it was just really, it was really peaceful for me and it was really, in a time where the world was just so hectic, um, I was able to kind of like find a release um, as far as just sitting still, being mindful and meditating on a daily basis. And, and I was able to develop a pretty good routine as far as just just five, 10 minutes a day. Like it, it wouldn't even have to be like, I didn't need to sit, you know, in silence or, you know, be in a, a dark room for like hours on end, like, you know, meditating or whatever. It was just, it kind of came down to, you know, me getting up every morning um, and taking, you know, two, three, four, maybe five minutes of just sitting still um, and sitting with my breath and just noticing all the things that's going on around me um, and then kind of going into my day. And it's something that, you know, I never before I never really thought that I would actually even really get into, you know, just because, you know, the stigma about, you know, uh, meditation and practicing mindfulness about, you know, how it's how it's something that people kind of like don't don't take serious enough and then like when they actually get into it they see all the benefits and like they kind of have this crazy like epiphany um about yeah. it and that's that's kind of like that's kind of like what i had um and it really helped me you know off the floor but especially on the floor um kind of as games started to pick up for sure taking a quick break from the conversation to thank you for listening to the podcast and to remind you that my book is out and if you like the podcast you might like the book too it's called harder than i thought easier than i feared or the subtitle sports anxiety and the power of meditation the book is about my own athletic experience from youth sports through college basketball and it focuses specifically on some of the mental difficulties that i faced in college suffering from really debilitating performance anxiety and depression and ultimately recovering through a change of attitude and habits and through the practice of mindfulness meditation. And Brian mentions in this episode that mindfulness helped him too. So if you want to learn more about how meditation relates to a good playing career, 
and a good life in general, you should check out my book, which you can find at billyhanson.net forward slash book. Thank you again for listening to the podcast. And now back to my conversation with Brian Dawson. That season, which ended up being your your fourth and second to last season, you took a huge jump statistically. I don't remember where you were the year before, but you ended up averaging over 20 that season, right? Yeah. Um, first team all RMAC. Remember some of those games you were just, you know, kind of single-handedly carrying the team to like second half victories, pushing to the end of the game, making huge shots. So maybe talk a little bit about that jump, that just that experience that season, being the man finally, you know, after playing with so many other great players and now you're the number one uh, option on offense and then maybe playing without fans, without, in you know, the COVID era. And you guys struggled a little bit as a team, right? What did you end up? Did you end up like eighth seed or something? Yeah, okay. yeah no, we ended up just missing uh, the playoffs. I believe we were the ninth seed okay. or maybe the 10th. Um, but yeah, we were kind of, we were on the outside looking in at the end of the year. Um, and it was definitely a tough year. Um, but yeah, you know, I definitely made a huge jump statistically um, from my junior year to my senior year. Um, and I really kind of can attribute that, you know, just to the work that I put in in the off season in the summertime, you know, when I was back in LA training, uh, you know, doing a lot of weight work, uh, eating right, getting a lot of good sleep. Um, you know, that was huge. And I think kind of the difference maker was really, like how I said earlier, when I was a freshman, I knew that eventually at some point, you know, I was going to be one of the top guys in this league and I was going to have an opportunity to really prove myself. And I knew that this was the perfect opportunity. So at that point, it kind of just became about, okay, like now I'm, I'm done talking about it. Now it's time to be about it. Um, and that's really just what I did. And that was really my mindset throughout the whole year. You know, obviously, COVID made things hard, no fans, you know, games getting canceled, guys going down with COVID, um, you know, having long pauses, that stuff was tough. But I mean, for me, it was just like, you know, I'm gonna make the most of this opportunity because I have it and I have to, you know what I mean? I have to make the most of this opportunity um, because, you know, I don't know if I'm gonna be able to play basketball, you know, tomorrow, I don't know if I'm gonna get COVID, if, you know, another team's gonna get COVID and we're gonna be on the call. So it was just kind of like, there was just a kind of like a new sense of urgency around that whole season. And I was just, I was hungrier than ever. You know, like you said, it was kind of the first, the first year where it was kind of my team and, and, and guys were looking at me to kind of be, you know, the the head guy and, and, the, and the leader of the, of, the, of the group. And so I just tried my best to just welcome that um, and embrace that. Um, and I think, and I think I did. And obviously, I mean, we fell short, um, you know, of our ultimate, you know, goal, which is to win our MAC championship and and maybe make a tournament run. But that year, I just, I just remember being so locked in, and that was definitely a part of the meditation routine that I had developed throughout the course of the year, for sure. Um, and all the work that kind of, you know, preceded that as well. Definitely, definitely. Okay, did you ever get COVID? No, I actually, I never did. I still. To this day, knock on wood, like I have never had COVID. Like, you know what wow. I mean? I I remember having the flu, like maybe 2019, right before the pandemic broke. Um, mm. That was about like as sick as I've ever been in my life. But mm. I mean, as far as I'm concerned and I'm fully vaxxed, I'm, you know, boosted up. So yeah, uh, as far as I'm concerned, I've never had COVID. <laughs> yeah, that's that's interesting. I went and we're going to, I'm jumping ahead a little bit, but did you, would it ever cross your mind like, heading into the RMAC tournament that like that was going to be your, when you're going to get it, were you worried about that at all? 
No, to be honest, I, I, I really wasn't. I mean, I just, I just tried to go out there and play. I mean, like, I know, you know, there's tons of people out there who've had, who have had COVID. And also there are some people like myself who've been fortunate enough to, you know, not gotten COVID. And, you know, I can't sit here and say like, oh, like, I've been doing all the right things. Like I've been perfect and like, you know, staying away from, you know, all the germs, you know, in the world. Like it's definitely been a, a little bit of luck. So, I mean, I just got, I just try to control the things I can control. You know I mean? COVID, yeah. COVID can hit anybody, you know what I mean? And so I, I wasn't really on the forefront of my mind. I was just trying to stay locked in on just playing basketball. Nice. Nice. All right. So moving from your senior year into your fifth year, your graduate year, um, now you're, you know, this is an interesting part because you got, you had a tough start to the season. This is this year now. Okay. Um, you and I had talked to quite a bit that summer, you know, we spent some time together. You were thinking about the season how you wanted to unfold. It's safe to say you had more talent this year than last year, generally, especially in the backcourt, I think, yeah. um, with, um, was Troy Brady there the year before? Yeah, Troy, yeah, okay. Troy came my senior year. He was, that's right. Okay, and so, but Troy Brady, but then Will Cranston-Lown was hurt that last year, so he's back, right? Um, and then Elijah Washington and Eddie, who ended up getting hurt. Um, and then, yeah, so just a little bit, you know, more talent, more distributed talent this season. Um, probably better prospects as a team, especially looking in hindsight. So I'm curious what, um, like, what your expectations we're like going into the season, what your goals were, and then maybe we can get into some of the difficulties you had in the preseason. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, you know, like you said, we definitely brought in a very talented recruiting class. Um, you know, a lot of big expectations going into this year uh, as far as, you know, winning our match championship, um, you know, getting to the NCAA tournament. Um, so those, those are definitely, that was definitely like a big part of what was driving, you know, our season um, to begin with early on. Um, and yeah, I mean, I was just, I was really excited um, to kind of get, to get a shot, you know, my last year playing at Regis with such a talented roster. Um, my schedule was a little bit different because, you know, I had graduated um, in, in May, I guess. Uh, so the, the spring before, um, you know, and now I was going to be taking master's courses um, as a part of my fifth year um, to stay eligible um, in order to play. Um, and so I had kind of like more downtime, I would say, um, on my hands um, earlier this year um, while still also, you know, balancing basketball and, and working out and trying to get ready for the season. And yeah, like you said, I, I definitely struggled early on um, just because I think a lot of that was attributed to some of the unnecessary pressure and, you know, um, I guess just, you know, fear and anxiety that I put on myself um, as far as, you know, trying to live up to, you know, the expectations of myself and, and the expectations of the entire team that we had just as a group coming in. Um, and so, yeah, it was kind of hard for me to find a rhythm early on on the court. Um, I remember, you know, just being so locked in to the point where, like, I would just, I would work out, like, three times a day, sometimes four times a day, and, like, come home and just be like dead tired just because I was only taking one class. Um, so I had a bunch of free time and I didn't really know what else to do with it besides just like get ready for the season and, you know, make sure I was as prepared as possible. Um, but that ended up kind of working against me 
um, just because my mind was just circulated on basketball 24 seven um, and all that kind of like, you know, fear and anxiety and, you know, just, just angst about, you know, playing um, and having another great season, all that stuff kind of started to bottle up um, and kind of, and, and ultimately weigh me down um, when it came to, to actually playing. Um, and so I definitely was in a bit of a, a dark spot. Uh, remember talking to you um, early on in the season. Um, we had we had some great conversations, um, and you know you offered me some great wisdom and advice um, to kind of help me get out of that. Um, and yeah, I mean it was tough. And it was tough in the beginning for sure, though. Yeah, I remember that was an interesting point because coming off such an amazing year, first team All Armac, and then you're in a new dynamic of not only is there more talent in the backcourt, so you're trying to find your rhythm within the offense where you don't have the ball quite as much, you know, or like at least there's more options, you know, trying to work out role declaration, all that stuff. But then the interesting part was, yeah, what you were going through with your schedule. And my, my best friend from college, Dylan had that experience. I think um, his fifth year where he had a, a red shirt year and so had an extra season and he played and all he had was one class, like one, I think evening class online once a week. And so he was in that situation too, where it was just, you know, practice and then kind of waiting for the next basketball activity. And you can go to the gym as much as you want. And you can also just hang out at the apartment and all of your friends are busy with school yeah. and finals and papers and stuff. And you're just kind of like, you know, I remember him yeah, dealing like, with that too. Yeah, exactly. So that was one of the things we talked about early in the season. I'm curious, did you make any adjustments around routine building? I remember one of the things we talked about and that I was emphasizing back then was like trying to do things that aren't basketball or school related, whether there's somebody you can go just have a meal with and hang out or go to the movies and like put your feet up or like something where you can not just wait for the next basketball activity and yeah, like you said, it's a blessing and a curse because you're so dedicated, but when you have all that time to just, you know, you can overtrain both mentally and physically, and it can get into your head of like all this, you know, the only thing on your mind, like, I remember you actually mentioned something when we were at lunch, which was like, it was kind of nice stressing a little bit about, I got to get this paper in, I got to get this assignment done because it forced you to take your mind off basketball, even though it was annoying. Um, yeah. and you'd kind of miss that. So yeah. How did you. Did you make any adjustments deliberately about dealing with the free time as the season went on? Uh, yeah, I mean, so for one, um, you know, like I try to just take a step back a little bit on my, on my workout regimen um, because I wasn't only doing a disservice, um, you know, to myself mentally, but physically as well, you know, on the mileage that I was putting on my body uh, without even playing a game, you know, you know, before the season. Um, you know, I knew that wasn't going to be good for me on the back end. Um, so I kind of tried to, to lighten the load a little bit and then, yeah, you know, I tried to just find other avenues outside of basketball. Um, because like before, like I'm so serious, like I would literally watch basketball if I wasn't playing it, like on YouTube, watching highlights, watching like full game film of college, you know, NBA. It's like, my mind was literally on basketball 24 seven. Um, and so I definitely needed a break from it. And part of that I found in, in, in reading, um, I kind of picked that, picked that back up because that kind of fell off a little bit after my, my senior season the year before, I guess. 
um, reading, listening to music, discovering new music um, was a huge thing for me. Um, even something as simple as kind of just walking outside and being outdoors. Um, that was a really big thing for me is, you know, I've never really been someone to, I guess, um, take in, you know, the outdoors or really kind of enjoy nature like that. But I had a, a close family friend of mine, uh, shout out Adolfo Honey. Uh, he lives in Aurora, Aurora Colorado. Um, he kind of he kind of introduced me into the hiking game a little bit and we went on a couple nice. hikes. Um, so I was able to kind of get out outdoors, really get outside my comfort zone because I never really did anything like that. Um, and I was able to find a lot of peace and just, you know, really a much needed just detachment from the game um, because I was so locked in and it was really, you know, starting to work against me rather than work with me. So, yeah. Nice. Yeah, that's really interesting. I remember talking to Coach Brady, excuse me, before the season. Um, and we were talking about the guys and the squad and stuff. And one of the things he pointed out about you was that you he'd never had a player and I think in any of his programs even before Regis who carried themselves like a professional the way that you do where it's like you know he usually has to beg everybody to like get to bed on time like uh get you know get your work in before and after practice take an ice bath stretch Mm -hmm. ankle prehab you know it's a struggle getting 18 to 22 year olds to do all that shit (laughs) um but you were like he said that like he, he, you reminded him of someone who was like a professional, like, this is your, this is your business. This is what your job is. And you take it seriously and you're very methodical with all of that. So like, I don't know if you want to talk a little bit about like what your routines were, maybe some of the things that you took seriously that maybe separated you from some of the other players in the league, potentially, I mean, mm-hmm. what you're six, you're six, one, you're quick, you're athletic, but the, the kind of success that you had, it wasn't all just raw talent. A lot of it had to do with your work ethic and your training and your preparation. I think that's one of the things that separated you over time. So I'm going to talk a bit about, you know, the, the positive side of your dedication when it was in a good balance place. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so, yeah, I I would just say, I would just say, I I guess that kind of derived from, it all kind of derives from obviously my love for the game Um, And I take basketball very seriously just in general. But I understand that, you know, a lot of people play this game. um, So there's a lot of room for people to just be average in this sport um, just because so many people play it. Um, And I knew from a very early age that I didn't want to just be an average, you know, basketball player. And I also was able to understand that, you know, just because I don't want to be an average basketball player, I I can say that. But there has to be work that is put in in order to get to where I want to go. I know it's not just going to magically happen. You know, like you said, I wasn't blessed with, you know, like being six, eight and like just this freakish athlete. You know what I mean? Like, so I knew that there was there was work to be put in. And so, I mean, I'd really just tried to focus, um, you know, on my body in the weight room. I, I, I definitely ever since I got to Regis was when I really started taking the weight room kind of serious. Um, and especially in my senior year or these last two years, I've started to take it, you know, kind of to a, to a different level. Um, you know, my diet um, last or two summers ago uh, during COVID, I was pescatarian. I only ate fish. Um, that was a, that was kind of a new challenge for me and something that I explored. And I think that I really benefited from um, sleep was a big thing for me, you know, constantly getting eight hours, you know, on a consistent basis, like just telling myself, like, okay, like, I got to go to bed 
just because I know when I wake up the next morning, you know, I'm gonna just feel that much better. Um, stretching was a big thing for me. Um, and then as far as in the, in the gym, you know, I've been blessed, you know, to have a lot of, a lot of great trainers and a lot of great guys to work with me. Noah King being one of them, um, you know, shout out my guy back in LA, J Jamie Trujeque, um, and Yosef Edamati, um, some of my guys that have kind of just been in the lab with me over the years. Um, but I mean, the separation kind of really comes from like, so like a lot of players will like go to the gym and just be like, okay, I'm gonna shoot like 10, 10 I'm gonna make 10 shots from five spots. Because yeah. 10, because 10 seems like a nice round number <laughs> and, and five and five spots hits to like, you know, all the five general areas on the court. Well, like I kind of just started thinking outside of the box. I was like, okay, maybe like when I go to the gym, how about, you know, maybe I, I, I shoot at this one spot and I shoot until my arm is like, feels like it's about to fall off. And like, just from that mindset of thinking like, okay, clearly if I want to be, you know, the best, or if I want to be better than most, I can't train like, the most or I can't train like everybody else does because it's very easy to go in the gym and say yeah I'm gonna make 10 from this spot 10 from that spot I'm gonna get some free throws do a couple minutes of ball handling and that's it and just walk out it's like yeah. I, can't, I can't think like that if I want to be better than that so yeah how about I go to the gym and literally for 30 45 minutes how about I just do ball handling when most guys would just you know do five minutes of ball handling as a warm-up how about I strictly do ball handling you know what I mean? And nothing else. So kind of having that balance and kind of just thinking outside of the box, you know, with my routine and with my training, I'd say that's, that was, that was a big part of the reason why I was able to kind of, you know, do the things I did on the court just, you know, from that. Yeah, that's, that's fascinating. I want to, I was going to wait to ask that, um, by the way, for all the, the, the impatient fans out there, we're getting to the championship our, this year's RMAC tournaments. It's coming. So like, uh, your handle was one of the things I want to talk about because you had a nice handle. I remember you would, I don't know if what the kids are saying these days back in 2018, you called it jelly. That was like your finishing, right? Yeah. That was, yeah. That was still like saying that thing. or is that out? Uh, I, mean, I think it's, I think it's still in, to be honest, you know, you make, okay. a, nice, you make a nice layup, you know, people are going to say jelly. Okay. So yeah, you were a really good finisher when you got to Regis. That was like, you were, you showed up like that. And your handle was good, but your handle got to a new level, especially this year, I think. I mean, last year too, but like some of the stuff, like I watched almost every game this year um, and like in, nobody in the RMAC had a prayer one-on-one -on -one against you. Like it was almost funny to watch. Like the way, cause you, you know, you could hit, they had to respect your three-point shot and you had this like hesitation with your eyes that always just put people in the mud and then you just dart around them, um, floaters, like, and then the move that I love the most, which you pulled out a few times, uh, and even in the championship, you were using it, which I thought was crazy. Like under that much pressure was the, like behind the back, like double, like snap behind the back, behind the back once get them off balance mm -hmm. and then whip it again, which like, if you've played basketball and I like that move is crazy in a pickup game, like to have it on a string like that. Um, it was just really impressive. It reminded me of like some of the stuff you see from the guards in the NBA, it's like that kind of handle and control the ball and how you could create space and get a shot up. So like, yeah, was that, do you think that evolution and confidence with your handle came because of 
it's interesting you said like, yeah, you didn't just go kind of like go through the motions on your ball handling training. Um, you would do 40 minutes straight on ball handling. So just t- tell me about like that specific aspect of your game and how it helped you in the last couple of seasons. Yeah. So where I really say I made a jump, you know, my ball handling was definitely from my junior year to my senior year. Um, been a lot of time working with Noah King. Um, and he kind of just, he kind of opened the door, um, you know, for, for a new way for me to think about ball handling and just how I dribble. Um, and so in a lot of our workouts, we really emphasize like pounding the ball, like, like on every dribble, like, mm-hmm. like in every move that you do, like make your dribbles like violent and like just pound it as hard as you can. Um, because like, there's, there's no doubt you're going to lose it eventually. Um, and you may lose it a lot, you know, to begin with, but, you know, kind of just building that muscle memory in your arms um, and in your fingertips of just knowing where the ball is going to be um, and just kind of having it on a string, like you said, um, that kind of really opened the doors for me um, just as a ball handler or what helped me kind of take that leap. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, watching, watching guys like Steph, um, Kyrie, and kind of seeing what they do, you know, on a high level and trying to trying to emulate that. Um, that was all part of it as well, um, you know, because those guys are masters of their craft. Um, and, you know, I'm trying to be a master of my craft just like them. Um, yeah. Uh, so I would say kind of those two things is just like watching other great ball handlers and then, you know, pounding the ball like, you know, in, in, in ways that, you know, I thought maybe I never could um and still maintain control um because that's really what ball handling is all about um you know you know you know you know how it feels like as a basketball player like when your handle is tight you you feel like you can do any move you know what I mean you feel like you know you can make any move you feel like nobody can take the ball from you and you can almost do anything out there and I think as a guard you know ball handling skills are essential I mean honestly in today's game you know handling the ball is essential really for any position, you know, guards all the way to bigs. Um, that's just kind of how the yeah. game, is, that's kind of how the game is trending. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I knew that, you know, it, was, it wasn't necessarily part of my game that was lacking, but it was definitely a part of my game that as a guard had a lot of room for growth. And so I made sure, you know, in the off season that, that I, I put a lot of attention and effort towards, towards getting it better. Nice. Yeah, definitely showed. Last time I felt like I, I felt like really confident with my handle was like sixth, seventh grade. That's when I was like a point guard. And uh, then, yeah, from there, I, yeah, I never really, especially in college, like it's funny, Brady just wanted me to dribble as few times as possible senior year. I was like my, I was my, every time I caught that's, it. I that's because that's you, you were a sniper. If the people, if the people don't know, if the people don't watch this know, <laughs> hey, if you, if you can shoot it like JJ Reddick. There's really, you don't even need to dribble. Like, yeah, you know, it helped, it helped my stock a lot to stop dribbling. It made me a better player to just either shoot or pass and then move the <laughs> offense. But um, no, it was, it was really fun to watch. So let's get to the, Let's get to the this season. So after your tough start, you got back on track. I mean, do you like what was that like when you first started to find your confidence confidence again this year? You had some good games. Is it a relief? Did you feel like, oh, I knew it was coming. I just had to stick with it. Like beginning of the season, you started to find it again. How did that feel? Uh, it felt great, um, really, because I would say, you know, a lot of that, like I said, just having all that, you know, pressure just weighing on me. Um, I was able to kind of just go out there and, and, and play again. And honestly, it really just, 
it really derived from me just staying in the moment. Like that was a huge thing for me because oftentimes I'd be out there on the court or I'd be out there, you know, training, you know, thinking about, you know, what the season is going to look like, what after the season is going to look like and, you know, potentially playing at the next level and things like that. And thinking about all these things that like weren't happening, like in the moment, like, you know what I mean? Like right now, like me and you are having this conversation and, and so, you know, the best thing for me to do is just to be here and be present and be locked in in this moment. You know what I mean? And when I was, you know, working out on the basketball court, there was just too many factors going on in my head, you know, about what happened in the future, what happened in the past. And, you know, all those things, I think they don't really matter. Um, and so it was a huge relief to kind of start to get my rhythm back. And obviously we were playing really well as a team, um, you know, ended up rattling off 14 in a row. Um you know, and, 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 and really playing some really good basketball, you know, ranked, I think, 12th in the nation, um, you know, at one point. Um, so I felt great, especially coming out of the place that, you know, I was at mentally and physically before um, to kind of get out of yeah. that, kind of see some some brighter days for sure. Yeah, definitely. And then I'm curious about your perspective of because you had that 14 game winning streak and then you dropped one to I think Mesa, is that right? Um, yeah. and then one, another one, and then Brady got hurt, which I still don't quite know, know what happened there. Like, Oh yeah. Will. Yeah. What's yeah, that? Will, it, it, it was Will. Will went down with a concussion, but I mean like coach Brady, like that oh, same yeah, weekend. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. My bad. Yeah, he did. Yeah. So yeah. So Will had a concussion, so he's out. Will had an amazing year too. Like he's super fun to watch. Great. You two together was super dope to see. Um, so Will's out, very important player on both ends. And then Coach Brady hurts his back and has to miss games. You know that guy, like, if he's missing games, he's in a lot of pain. And, like, so must 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 have been serious. And you could tell he was in pain throughout the rest of the season, too. I actually just, you know, shout out Coach. He he just texted me that he had his surgery was good today. And so mm-hmm. I think, yeah, hopefully he's, he's going to make a full recovery. But anyway, so that – you guys dropped both those games, right, without Coach – and with Will having a concussion and then went into a little bit of a skid, right? Mm-hmm. What was it like internally, like coming off the 14 game winning streak, coming off the high ranking and then having kind of the, the wind taken out of your sails? What was that part of the season like? It was pretty difficult, honestly. And, and looking back, it's almost like a little bit of a blur because we really did, you know, we were, we were playing so well and things were, you know, going so great um, for us as a team on the court. And we just, you know, we and we never really, you know, we never really were were cocky or anything, or we weren't chasing like a a winning streak. That wasn't what it was about. We were genuinely going out there, hooping, having fun, and just playing together. And you know, we just happened to be winning ball games at the same time. Um, mm-hmm. That was a lot of fun. And then you know, kind of when coach when coach went down, uh, that was definitely a big blow because you know, if anybody knows Brady, you know, he's tough as nails. Um, and he's a team guy, you know, all he wants to do is kind of just is be around the group and, and, and help better the group in any way that he can. Um, and so for him to go down and not be able to physically, you know, be on the sidelines with us, be at practice with us and kind of, you know, just kind of coach from afar. I was a little bit different. Um, and it was kind of hard to adjust, you know, for a little bit. Um, and obviously, you know, Will, you know, had the concussion. He missed, you know, three pretty critical games for us. Um, and so at that point, we were just we felt like, man, we were just getting hit with tons of adversity. Um, and then, 
you know, it kind of, it kind of, it kind of bled over, you know, into the, the following games, um, kind of towards, towards the season as we try to close out the season. Um, so that was really tough, um, honestly. And I was, I think, but I credit our team a lot because, you know, a lot of teams honestly could have faced that. And like, that could have been it. Like the season could have been dead at that point. And like, yeah. they would have just faltered and it would have been no no hopes or dreams of maybe making it to, you know, uh, the RMAC championship or, or, or an NCAA championship or an NCAA tournament, you know, for that matter. Um, but we fought back and I mean, yeah. So that was amazing. Yeah, so I, I, I was at the game, the, your second to last game on Friday and still kind of in a funk, didn't really look like yourself. You know, even my dad, my dad was here and he noticed the same thing. It was just like the energy wasn't the same as it was before the season. Then I was I went skiing with my dad on that Saturday. So I missed senior night. Um, but it sounded like you guys kind of found it senior night, like the energy was back. I remember reading somebody's interview on after the game um, and then that momentum carried into the playoffs. And then, of course, the playoffs are a whole different thing. It's like. I feel like that's a whole rejuvenation for everybody. And like, you know, it's one winner go home. So it's a kind of different element. So yeah. What was that like going traveling to Fort Lewis? You guys were the sixth seed after being ranked, you know, towards the top of the conference for a long, a lot of the season. Um, what was your attitude like heading to Fort Lewis for the quarterfinals? Uh, yeah. I mean, it was, it was nice to definitely get that win on senior night um, against Adams um, definitely provided us a, a nice energy boost and a bit of moment, momentum uh, going into the playoffs. Um, and then, yeah, when, when we got to Fort Lewis, I mean, we just we, we kind of just felt that we were a better team to begin with. Um, I know, you know, we split, you know, one and one in the regular season with them, uh, went up to their place, got a nice a nice uh, win on the road. And then they came back to our place later in the year and they stole one on our home floor. Um, but I mean, we just felt like you know, playoff basketball, it's winner go home. And I mean, you know, you gotta, you gotta lay everything out on the line and that's exactly what we did. We had a great game plan um, and put together a really good 40 minutes against a good team. Um, you know, they yeah. played well, but I think, you know, at the end of the day, we were just, we were just a little bit more hungry because like you said, like to go from being 12th in the nation on a 14 game win streak to then closing out the year the way that we did um, and kind of being disappointed and having a little bit of a bad taste in our mouth. And then to go into the playoffs as the six seed, like we didn't feel like we were a six seed. Like, obviously, yeah. that's just the way the numbers, you know, worked out. And, you know, the, the that's what the standing said. Um, but we really felt like we were a top team in the RMAC. And so we just tried our best to go out, go out and prove that. Yeah, it's funny listening to the announcers in the RMAC tournament. Uh, like we just like saying, like the six seed Rangers are, you know, making a statement earlier and I was like, yeah, if you knew the season, like, you know, they were, they were one of the top teams. So um, yeah. So big win. I'm curious, like when you, you fouled out against Fort Lewis, right. Mm -hmm. Were you, were you worried that was like your last moment in college basketball? Was that scary going leaving the court? I mean, a little bit, it would have been like, yeah, like to me, I was, I was thinking a little bit like, man, this, this would be, this would just be a terrible way to go out, like, you know, fouling out, not even, you know, having a chance to, to be on the floor, like, you know, if that was my yeah. last game. Um, but at the same time, I had a ton of confidence, you know, in, in the guys that were on the floor and, and in our team. Um, you know, they knew yeah. what was that they knew what was at stake. And I mean, we had been playing a, a really good game up to that point. Um, and all we really had to do, I think, at that point was just close out the last four minutes of the game. And really, that's exactly what we did. For sure. For sure. 
Okay. And then you head to Black Hills for the final four played Mesa in the semis, right? Mm-hmm. That, that was, I'm trying to, yeah. To, okay. Yeah, it was. And uh, really tough, close game. They're a good, good team. Well-coached team. Um, you had a great night that night. Like to talk to me, tell me about the semifinal game leading up to it, how you felt on the court and what happened. Uh, yeah. So um, that semifinal game, I mean, in, in, in a couple games prior to the semifinal game, a lot of teams uh, that were denying me, face guarding me. Um, and that kind of led to, you know, me struggling a little bit to close out the regular season um, just because I wasn't really used to that. And I was still trying to trying to adjust to that, um, you know, for whatever reason, Mesa decided not to 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 deny me the same way. Um, you know, teams were before teams were like literally doing like a box and one sometimes, um, mm-hmm. and, you know, having guys literally just follow me around the court everywhere. Mesa didn't decide to do that. So. I mean, just as soon as I kind of read that, you know, from from their defensive standpoint, I just said, you know, there's a perfect opportunity for me to just to go out here and play like on the biggest stage and 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 just play my game and and try to help give my team an opportunity to go to the championship game. And and that's what I did. You know, the jumper was feeling good. I got into a rhythm pretty early and the rest was kind of history. Yeah, I watched your interview after that game with uh, Coach Brady and, and Will. Um, Will had a huge shot. That three, that pull-up three was was big time. Um, super fun game to watch. It was interesting. Like my dad and my grandparents were all, we were all watching the stream, like texting each other, like way into it. Um, really exciting two games against Fort Lewis and Mesa. And then Black Hills, I actually almost drove out uh, for the championship. I was going to oh, do really? like a solo road trip, but then the snowstorm hit and it was like winter storm advisory like on the on the path to go and i was like fuck i can't do it but i really wanted to go um and the flights were like a thousand dollars like it was like united flight was like i was like what the fuck so if it would have been you know reasonable i would have come but um yeah so black hills they were ranked the first seed they had top player in the league player of the year you know um what was your what were your expectations like heading into the the final game um, I mean, I was really, honestly, I was excited, you know, like um, to have an opportunity to, you know, at that point, that, that, that would have been my second RMAC championship, like that, I, that really just drove me. And, you know what I mean? That's a chance to just to make history, um, you know, for Regis. And so I was really locked in on that. Um, it was just, you know, going all out for this championship game. Um and, you know, like like you said, they had a heck of a team. They had, a, you know, a heck of a crowd. Um, you know, they had Joel Scott, player of the year in the RMAC. Um, so we knew it definitely wasn't going to be easy. Um, but that for me, honestly, that made it more exciting just because, you know, all the odds were kind of stacked against us. You know, like like you said, we were we were the sixth seed, you know what I mean, <laughs> playing against the one seed, um, you know, in their house, um, you know, with a, with yeah. a big crowd. So, you know, I'm sure a lot of people didn't expect us to put up the fight that we did. Um, but I was honestly just trying to go out there and have fun, you know, um, all, all up until that point, I guess those last couple of games, you know, with Mason and Fort Lewis, you know, my mindset was like, yeah, this could be, you know, my final game, you know, as a Regis Ranger, but like, you know, I'm going to just stay in the moment, stay locked in and do whatever I can to make sure it's not. And, you know, I, I, I played pretty well against Black Hills. Unfortunately, you know, it wasn't enough. Um, but you know, I mean, credit to them, they're a heck of a team and, you know, they deserve it. Yeah. 
So like you're gonna have to let me gush for a second because I was, you know, I've been watching you since you're a freshman and coached you for a year. And I was like blown away at your performance in the championship. Like and I, I know that I'm biased because like we're friends and I, you know, I feel so close to your to your journey, but like you know the feeling when you're watching like I don't know what the example is like you're watching like Dwayne Wade in like the finals hitting just shots that don't even seem like possible. It's just, it's like, it's like this magical feeling. And there were some, some times in the second half where um, you would like take a pull up contested long two. And I'd be like, ah, oh, you know, like, you know, and they knock it down. And then like Kevin would get a steal and you run out and like hit a like pull up three. And you were doing like, it really was an amazing feeling watching that game. And I know everybody who Regis fans felt the same way. I was like, I swear to God, like in the last five minutes of that game, I was on the edge of my seat and like my heart was like pounding out of my chest. I was like so nervous, so into it, super fun to watch. And yeah, I, uh, credit to them cause they were, they were a good team and Joel Scott, you know, he played amazing. The only person I'm not happy for is number 23. Like I couldn't stand that kid like, <laughs> uh, on their team. He was annoying the shit out of me, but, um, <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, just like really just wanted to give you credit for like the way you handled yourself on the court, how you stepped up and took them on head on. It was super, super fun to watch. And I know like every like people in my circle who watched too were like super proud of you guys. So yeah, congratulations on that. And I know that, you know, you came up short, but in some ways it was like, it was still an amazing way to go out for you specifically too. Like to have 32 in that game, in that environment, it was super, super cool to watch. So yeah, it was dope. Thanks, man. I appreciate that. I did. Yeah, I just, I, I just try to have fun, man. And I, I thought about that several times, kind of throughout the course of the game. It was just like, this is, this is so cool. Just the opportunity for me to even be playing basketball for one on this stage. You know, this magnitude of a game. And yeah, I mean, that was really just driving me. The whole game was like, whatever happens, happens. But I'm out here to have fun, man. And 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 I think. You know, I certainly did. I know, you know, our team, obviously it sucks to lose. Nobody likes losing. Um, but, I mean, you win some, you lose some. That's life. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. And, you know, the point is just to kind of keep your head high and, and, and move forward. Yeah. I have to ask, unfortunately, have you thought about that last possession? I don't even – I think I blacked out. I don't even remember what happened. Like, take me through that. Do you have any regrets for not getting the shot up yourself? Um, I mean, you made a nice pass. It just didn't quite work out. So like you fumbled the ball, you got kind of bottled up and then try to pass down to, uh, Alex, right? Like, tell me, take me through that last play. Yeah. So look, just so the listeners know, uh, you're down yeah. by, you're just so the listeners know, you're down one, um, Brady decided not to call a timeout and you had the ball with like 11 seconds left at the top with a chance to, to win it. Yeah. I mean, so down one, um, kind of last possession. Um, all I'm really thinking about is, you know, trying to kind of dri drive to the rim. I, I knew, you know, even though the jump shot was working, I just didn't want to settle, you know, because I knew if maybe I drove to the basket, got some contact, I would maybe, you know, have to put pressure on the refs to maybe make a call um, mm -hmm. late in that game um, or just, you know, make a good finish at the rim. Um, but, I mean, yeah, I, I drove, uh, the defense kind of collapsed. I saw AC, our, our big guy, um, underneath the rim, uh, pretty much wide open. Um, and I kind of made a, a, a bad pass or, you know, I don't know if he was really expecting it. Um, 
but yeah, I made an error pass and, you know, ended up getting tipped and, you know, kind of fumbled around all over the place. And, you know, they ended up getting the possession of it and, you know, led to a turnover. Um, you know, they go down, hit some free throws and that's kind of all she wrote. But yeah, I mean, I I, I definitely, I'll, I'll probably be thinking about that play for a long, long time. Um, you know, honestly, like, um, I try to tell myself, like, you know, it happened and there's nothing I could really do about it. But I mean, it, it, it is tough um, just just because, you know, we were one play away from, you know, winning RMAC title and, you know, advancing uh, to the big dance. And, you know, that would have been really fun. Um, but, you know, hindsight is always twenty twenty. Obviously, you know, looking back at it, you think about all the millions of things you could have done, you know, better and, and, and how you could have done this or done that. And, you know, you, once you start thinking like that, it, it never stops. So, I mean, I mean, I tried to make a play, it, it, it didn't work out and, and, you know, that that's all it was. Um, but you know, it's, it's okay yeah. at the end of the day. <laughs> yeah. I'm glad you got a good attitude about it. And it was, it was very close to being a sweet assist to win the game. And yeah, it's tough. Like I was glad that they let you play it out and you got the ISO and you, you know, we're doing so good in the second half that I think it was the right call too. So yeah, man, but seriously, congratulations. And honestly, like one more, you know, one more round of praise, like, you know, I don't, you know, it's probably hard to, to really realize this, but like, I don't know what percentage of, of college athletes have the kind of career that you had just with like winning a championship, um, you know, two-time first team all RMAC, you graduate and you stay at the same school. So you're not dealing with all the bullshit people deal with, with transferring and having to go back to school and, you know, racking up dead and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, finishing your career with that tournament and how well you played and, you know, all you know, RMAC Hall tournament and all of that. Like, you know, there's a lot of people who go to a higher level or to a more prestigious school who don't have that kind of experience. So, I, you know, I think you probably realize that, but just, you know, I put, I put your career up there with some, one of the more successful college experiences that I think I've observed, right. To, to have that and to stay healthy too, like to, you know, to be on the court that much and to be on all those great teams and stuff. So yeah. I uh, just wanted to point that out. Congratulations, man. It's a very, very good career. Thanks bro, man. I'm, I'm extremely, extremely blessed, extremely fortunate. Um, you know, very lucky to have had great teammates been on some great teams had great coaches, you know, including Brady. Um, it's been it's been a special ride for me, you know. And obviously, the ending is a little bit bittersweet, but I mean, I, I'm I'm so glad I'm so glad I came to Regis, and I'm so glad I was able to to do the things that I did here at this place. And you know, Regis is you know a place that will forever be in my heart. Um, you know, for all the all the support that I've gotten over the years, and you know, it's definitely molded me into the person that I am today. Um, so yeah, man, no, I, I thank you for that. I appreciate that for real. Nice, man. All right. So what, uh, what now? What's, what's, uh, what are your plans? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I know. Uh, right now, obviously, you know, my, my basketball journey is not done. Um, I'm, I'm right now I'm looking to go play, uh, professionally overseas somewhere. Um, kind of still in, in, in the beginning phases of it a little bit. Um, but, you know, now that the season's done, we're definitely kind of going to start ramping up a bit on on figuring it out. Um, but I've been talking to, to several agents. I haven't signed with any anybody yet. I haven't signed with any agent yet. I'm kind of just weighing my options right now, um, talking to my family about it, and kind of getting things situated 
as best as I can to hopefully have an opportunity to go play somewhere that's that's a good fit for me and 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 to hopefully continue my basketball career. So yeah, that's where we're yeah. at. You might reach out to Brandon Jefferson. He's a former podcast guest, but just from somebody who really, I mean, he's five eight guard uh-huh. and, and a D two guy, and has you know he's making a living out there. His family's out in France. He's making good money. He's got a long, yeah. longer contract. Like, and his, some of the stuff he said on the podcast was about how I think he's fired five agents already and like mm-hmm. finally found a good one. So someone with his kind of experience going and carving it out, I think he'd be a good resource and he's a really good dude. So you should, I'll put you in contact with him. He's, he'd be a good, a good resource. But other than that, what, like, what kind of things are you, are you planning to do? Find an agent working with your parents I actually saw uh, you got a little highlight tape out on YouTube recently. I'll uh, I'll link that if people want to go watch mm-hmm. it. So is that what's your what's your game plan going forward to try to get get a look? Uh, yeah. So I mean, I have a couple agents um, who I've been talking to right now that are very interested in signing me. Um, and then I guess at at that point, um, once they sign me, they kind of handle most of the you know, just promoting me and, and putting my name out there to a lot of different um, ball clubs um, and, you know, negotiating contracts. And then they relay all that stuff back to me um, for me to kind of decipher um, where I want to go and what I see as kind of the best fit. Um, and so right now I haven't heard too many, um, I guess, like official offers or, you know, official interest from, you know, too many ball clubs um, still kind of in the beginning phases of that. Um, but yeah, once, once all that stuff kind of comes out at, at that point, it's just kind of weighing down my options, um, talking to my family about it for sure. Um, mm-hmm. and seeing what's the best fit to, to have a chance to go play somewhere and, you know, make some money and, and hopefully have a good career. Nice. Nice. Um, what's, uh, what's your brother up to now? Yeah, my brother, he's, uh, he's, he's still producing music um shout out shout out my brother he's aka underscore chaz on instagram if y'all want to follow him he's he's one of the hottest one of the best young r&b producers out there um he actually has a couple songs with summer walker um if you guys know who that is great r&b singer um but yeah now he's just making music um that's you know his passion you know he kind of discovered that while he was at ucla too um, and so I guess he had a nice smooth transition of like hanging up the cleats and then, you know, making beats all day. Um, so yeah, that's kind of his gig right now. Did, so is, is that, is, is he like sustaining himself just through music? Is he like making it? Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. Um, I mean, he, he, he makes, he makes beats every day and he's, you know, at this point now he's been making them for years. So he's kind of stockpiled up on just, a giant inventory of, of beats and there's all types of young artists um, out there. A lot of unknown artists that, you know, either listen to his beats from YouTube or go to like his website or, you know, on SoundCloud and find his beats and want to use them. And so he charges um, of course um, for artists to use his beats. Um, and so, yeah, he's, he's been able to carve out a, a nice life for himself, but this is, he's got, he's got, he's got plenty, plenty more left in the tank. Like it's just the beginning. Like, I know y'all don't know about you know about him, um, but you'll you'll be hearing about him soon if you're definitely definitely if you're an R and B artist. Cool, that's dope. Did you see the the Kanye doc? Bro, I did. I was like, 
I, I would check I checked that out um while we were on a road trip. I think while we were in we were in Salt Lake City and we went up to Grand Junction to play Mesa. Um but yeah, no, I checked it out. I'm like I'm a pretty big Kanye fan, honestly. Like a lot of people, you know, they always talk about his antics and stuff, like, you know, all this nonsense that he like says in the media or whatever. I don't really pay attention to that. I pay attention to him as like a, a musical genius, a fashion genius, just a creative genius. And the dude is like, regardless of if you like what he says or not, you agree with his opinions, like you got to give him his props just on his creative genius. And that's like literally what the documentary is about, you know, showing just how much, uh, how much dedication he has to his craft and so like I, I admire stuff like that so I, I definitely got a chance to check it out did you watch it yeah I, have you seen there's three parts have you seen all three of them yeah yeah I saw, I saw all three okay yeah because I uh, yeah I'm also a big Kanye fan and I'm you know it goes without saying I I think he's stupid on like politically and mm-hmm. so you know he's, he's got some dumb ideas but uh yeah complete genius you know some of my favorite music of all time is from him and um he's just an interesting person like good you know all the good and the bad like he's 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 definitely fascinating and he has like the attention of the public always you know um and i thought the third episode was impressively kind of sincere by cootie to like show him in kind of his darker points Mm -hmm. and a little bit sad like i guess one of my takeaways i was talking to rebecca about this was um he in the third section when he's like making the Donda stuff Mm -hmm. um, and the people around him are like, that's fire, bro. That was a fire verse. Mm -hmm. Like it didn't, it was, it had more of like a yes man vibe of just like, Mm -hmm. I wouldn't say something to criticize Kanye. Whereas like when he was making the college dropout stuff in the beginning of the doc, trying to get his, his raps off, it was more like people were really moved and like blown away. Like, those scenes with like Pharrell in the studio listening to it and like freaking out like those are really cool and so that was kind of the sad part of the third like obviously he's got mental health problems um and he just seems like he has nobody in his circle anymore who's like will really like pull the brakes or help him pull the brakes but um but yeah I uh I enjoy the documentary a lot like definitely worth watching I was entertained the whole time it's really good same man I thought that was I thought that was dope that was well put together yeah what's your favorite uh kanye album Ooh, i was thinking about this at like right after i watched it too um like i think it's easy for a lot of people to say yeah like my beautiful dark twisted fantasy or whatever just because like he did like spaz on that but like honestly i would have to go with college dropout um just because like that's Kanye just like at his hungriest, like, you know what I mean? Hasn't really proven anything, you know, as a rapper, like young up and coming in the game. Like that's just, I don't know. I think, and like people who always talk about, yeah, like I miss the old Kanye, this, that, and the third. Like, I mean, like you, how can you not like expect the dude to like change like throughout the course of his career? Like he's, he's that big of a genius to where obviously he's not going to be doing the same stuff that he was doing, you know, like when he put out college drop. But I would say if I had to choose one college drop, it's just, it's just a classic. Um, And yeah, I think, I think I have to go with that one. Nice. Nice. Um, What's yours? I don't know. I mean, I think the doc kind of fucked up my list because I, yeah, I probably, 
I probably still would go twisted fantasy. Um, but I love, I don't know, man, I love graduation. Um, I love college dropout. There's a few songs on it that I don't love. So that kind of waters it down for me a little bit, but yeah, it, it, that, that documentary made me fall, re-fall in love with college dropout. And I've been listening to it again and stuff, but, um, yeah. you know, one I want to throw out, it's not my favorite album, but one that I think I like more than like anyone else or like me and my brother rock with it. And I don't really know too many other people. I'm curious to think what you think, but I love Jesus. I'm a diehard really? Jesus fan. Yeah. Like really? hold my liquor, uh, blood on the leaves. I'm in it. Like those are, you take you, you should like listen to that with headphones to yourself someday. And like with yeah. no expectations, like it really is good. And Rick Rubin like co-produced it. And I love Rick uh, Rubin. He's done a bunch of stuff with like rock bands and with Jay-Z. And um, yeah, I think that's super underrated and people just dismissed it because it sounded crazy, but yeah. I love Jesus. Um, nah, so, I'm gonna have to yeah. back. I'm going to have to actually dig back, have a little sit down, put the headphones in and just lock in. Because I, yeah. I remember when it came out and I definitely, I definitely remember being a little turned off by it just because there was there was nothing that sounded like that you know at the time and like it was just so foreign like at least in like the rap space or like the hip-hop space so i was just kind of like i definitely jumped on the bandwagon of like haters who was just like ah like i mean i definitely might have to revisit it because i mean it's just it's kanye taking taking leaps of faith but like the same way he did with like 808s like you know nobody really heard kind of what he did before on 808s and heartbreaks and then like he goes ahead and does it and then like you know years later we're still talking about it yeah definitely i remember him basically in a recent interview he said everybody loves twisted fantasy you know and they they should you know it's an amazing album but to him his favorite projects are like when he pushes the boundaries like 808s or Jesus, where he makes people uncomfortable and like Mm -hmm. makes a splash and like changes the direction of of hip-hop and stuff so yeah, that's interesting. What else you been listening to? Uh, yeah, I mean, I've been I've been on a lot. I've been on, man, I've been on the indie wave. I've been on the indie wave, pretty tough. Um, there's artists out there called Cool Artists. Um, out there called Mick G. Um, I've also been on the Joke uh, Selection Radio. Tough. I think I may have mentioned that to you uh, mm-hmm. last time we spoke. Um, he's a crazy, crazy DJ. Um, he's crazy with the mashups and the edits. Um, you can check him out on Apple Music. He has like his own page, um, where he drops like these two hour long playlists, um, like every week. And he's just like going crazy of like mixing R&B, mixing oldies, soul, rap, house music, um, you know, like a little bit of EDM stuff, some groovy stuff, like just all over the place. So I've been trying to literally just diversify, you know, my listens as much as I can. I'm, I'm not not staying in the rap stuff. I'm not staying in the R&B stuff. I'm trying to, I'm spreading all over. You know what I mean? Nice. Nice. Yeah, I still need to check that out. Um, that sounds dope. Did you pick the music on your highlight tape? Yeah, I did. Yeah. yeah. Was the, I liked the first song. and I was, It was cool that it was like, I'm glad that you made it your vibe on the highlight tape. The yeah. first track, I was like, that that sounds like Brian Dawson, the way he plays. <laughs> yeah, no, I appreciate that. I'm about to look at, it's, um, I think the artist's 
guy's name is like KMB. Um, yeah, so the song is called uh, the song is called Joy by KMB. Um, and then that's on the I think that's on like the second half of the tape. But the song that you're referring to on the first half, I gotta find it. Um, hold on. It's by uh, Les Lockhart. It's called Money Tree. Um, okay. I have like, I literally have like a whole playlist on my Apple Music of like just instrumentals. Cause I think like, I don't know about you, but like, I've always like the way I've listened to music or the way I've like just digested music every time I listen to it, I always listen to like the beat first, like, or just the sounds first. Like the vocals kind of come after, like the lyrics kind of come after. Like I'm always paying attention to like the, the rhythm, the percussion, you know, if it's like a piano, a guitar, I'm always paying attention to the instruments first. Yeah, I've become more like that uh, with my old age. I would, when I grew up, I was way into like lyrical miracle rappers, like double yeah. entendre. Like I was, ner- I was like rap nerd, kind of like the the rhyming schemes were what really fascinated me. Um, and that kind of took me from like Eminem into J. Cole into Chance into Kendrick, like that kind of lyrical stuff but yeah. and i still like that stuff for sure but i'm more like lately i've been way on like isaiah rashad and uh mac miller and um some of the lo-fi stuff that's really cool like uh yeah. like little sims from the uk and uh a group called slow uh slow tie uh, i think that's what it's called my brother's been having me on them like I, for me, it's like now when I get in the car, the, the, the music has to match my like my mood. And so like a lot of times if I'm yep, just like that's riding, riding around, it's got to be like something like lo-fi that's like sounds kind of cool. I'm not trying to get amped up on my like on my way to, to work in the morning. You know what I mean? Um, so, yeah, it's kind of where I've been at. Yeah, no, I feel like 100%. Music is like in their life. And so I feel like and we all go through so many different like emotions, moods, phases, whatever. And like music has a great way of like aligning us with all that, which is like really cool. For sure. For sure. All right, man. Well, um, I think we covered it. Great to finally get you on the podcast. Um, and again, yeah, congratulations, man. Amazing career, amazing season, amazing final game. S- super fun to watch. I'm going to, I'm really going to miss watching you at Regis. It's going to, it's a, it's it's sad that the Brian Dawson era came to an end, but um, it was it was really fun while it lasted. And I'm excited to see where your career takes you from here on out. For sure, man. 100%. Thank you so much for having me. You know, like a brother to me, man. I always appreciate catching up with you, talking with you, you know, about anything. Um, and yeah, man, this was fun. Thank you for listening to the podcast. My book is out. It's called Harder Than I Thought, Easier Than I Feared, Sports, Anxiety, and the Power of Meditation. And the book is a perfect resource to hand to a struggling athlete or any athlete who wants to make the most of their athletic experience. And the book is also about mindfulness meditation and how a meditation practice can relate to a positive athletic career and ultimately a good life. So if you're interested, you should head to billyhanson.net forward slash book to pick up a copy. And thank you again for listening. I'll see you here for the next episode.
the sauce.